Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hi, gang. Let's get right to it. As I come on air today, here's the very latest courtesy of the Associated Press on the situation in Israel. They report Palestinians in the sealed off Gaza Strip struggled to find any safe area on Wednesday as Israeli strikes demolished entire neighborhoods, hospitals ran low on supplies, and the territory's only power plant ran out of fuel, deepening the misery of a war sparked by a stunning and deadly assault by Hamas militants. Airstrikes smashed entire city blocks to rubble in the tiny coastal enclave, left unknown numbers of bodies beneath mounds of debris. The bombardment raged on even though militants are holding an estimated 150 people snatched from Israel, soldiers, men, women, children, and other adults. Israel has vowed unprecedented retaliation against Hamas militant groups ruling the Palestinian territory after its fighters stormed through the border fence on Saturday, gunned down hundreds of Israelis in the homes, on the streets, and at an outdoor music festival. Since then, militants have continued to fire rockets at Israel, including a heavy barrage at the southern town of Ashkelon on Wednesday, to which I would add something to keep in mind. Gaza, we're talking about 141 miles, which is nearly exactly the same number of miles from where I'm located in the city of Philadelphia, uh, consider this, the distance between Gaza and the nearby Israeli towns of Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, not a great distance. And it can't be said too many times, the 10-7 was the largest loss of Jewish life since the Holocaust, the second largest terror attack in the history of the world behind only 9-11 and many nation citizens were killed and taken hostage, not just those of Israel. Poll question today at Smirconish.com, I think very appropriately asks this. Either publicly or privately, should President Biden encourage Prime Minister Netanyahu to exercise restraint? We'll probably have more than 20,000 people vote on today's poll question. I took a peek when only 76 had voted. It was 38 to 38. 50%, 50% on the question of whether it's appropriate for President Biden to encourage the exercising of restraint. I'm so pleased, so privileged that today at Smirconish.com and in the newsletter, Richard Clark has written an essay, a very timely essay. You'll remember, of course, that he had roles in the Defense Department, the State Department. He was an assistant secretary, White House National Security Council for, count them, three American presidents. And that's over a period of 30 years. He then was chairman 
of the Middle East Institute for 10 years. But 50 years ago, he was a 22-year-old man already on the case. Wait until you hear this. Mr. Clark, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, Michael. So October of 1973, what was your station in life? I was um, a new employee at the Pentagon, a civilian, and I had been assigned to a backwater uh, job because I was new and young and inexperienced. And that backwater job was something called the Middle East Task Group. And that was Monday. And on Saturday, I was in Sears looking for uh, television uh, when all the televisions uh, broke with a uh, bulletin that uh, there had been a war starting in the Middle East, a surprise war. Israel had been surprised and was losing uh, the first several battles. Um, so I rushed to work and they, uh, on a Saturday, and they assigned me to the National Military Command Center um, for the next week, um, where we coordinated assistance to Israel. And uh, during all of that, uh, the Russians, uh, at the time the Soviet Union, uh, said it was uh, thinking of intervening on the side of Egypt. And they actually moved troops, airborne troops, and critically, they moved nuclear weapons toward Egypt. When that happened, the United States, for the first time since the Cuban Missile Crisis, went on full nuclear alert. And I got to see that from inside the command center. And I thought, there's a good chance that we're going to have a nuclear war. Uh, and my uh, my career at the Pentagon will end a few months after it started. My life will end a little early because the Pentagon was certainly a target. Fast forward three decades, you're now an advisor to President Bush. Pre-9-11, you advise him to destroy al-Qaeda. What kind of parallels do you see between al-Qaeda and Hamas? Well, Hamas is much bigger uh, and, frankly, much more capable. Hmm. Uh, but it is a terrorist group, uh, and any pretense it had of being anything else, uh, political movement or whatever, uh, it destroyed on 10-7 with its barbaric attacks. So I, I understand when a leader or when someone responsible for national security says, we cannot coexist with that terrorist group. And if Bibi Netanyahu decides that he wants to, quote, eliminate Hamas, uh, I don't think we could say to him anything but we support you. You say if, as looks likely, Israel plans to send the IDF deep into Gaza to eliminate Hamas, the urban combat will be prolonged, will result in high casualties, will be accompanied by widespread Palestinian civilian collateral damage deaths. Uh, That has not yet begun, but there are 300,000 plus troops very close proximity to the border. And you heard in introducing Richard Clark, I I read from this Associated Press report from within the last hour talking about already the the civilian side of this. How in the world can the Israelis balance an appropriate uh, need for accountability in terms of what happened on 10-7 and by the same token not walk into a situation where the civilian loss of life is such that the world suddenly turns against them? Well, in answer to your poll question, I don't think we should publicly or privately urge urge them to to moderate their activities. But we need to discuss with them are the issues uh, and make sure that they have done a good job of vetting and help them vet their own plans. Because it could be that this is exactly what Hamas and Iran want, to draw Israel in to urban combat. Uh, and then when Israel is portrayed in the 
uh, Muslim world as as destroying these civilians in, in Gaza, then Iran will come in to the fight uh, through Hezbollah and their tens of thousands of rockets and missiles uh, within range of Israel in Lebanon. So we have to be very careful we don't fall into that trap and that Israel doesn't fall into that trap. Urban combat is hell. No one, including Israel, is good at it. And we have to be very clear about what the objectives are and how they're going to be achieved uh, without being more costly uh, than we want. And you also have the existence of 150 or so hostages. I, I, lacking your credentials, but watching from the sideline, paying close attention, wonder, the captors of those 150, are they in communication with one another? Is it possible to have dialogue on behalf of the captors of all 150, or are they selled off? We just don't know. Well, they're selled off uh, in individual tunnels and, and locations in, in Gaza. Um, not more, probably 10 sites or more. Um, they're certainly all under the command of the Hamas leadership. And Qatar and others, Turkey, are saying that they're trying to set up communication lines to negotiate a hostage release or hostage exchange. I don't see how that works. I don't see Israel in the mood for exchanging uh, the people who they've captured who committed these terrible crimes. Uh, the last time Israel did an exchange with Hamas, they had to release 1,000 Hamas prisoners to get one Israeli back. I don't see that sort of thing happening. Uh, Israel has a very tough choice to make right now, whether or not to go in before they get the hostages out. And they may have to do that. Your essay today says the war could also expand if and when Israeli or U.S. intelligence develops convincing evidence of Iranian involvement in the initiation of the Hamas attack. I believe it is likely that evidence will emerge further along. You make reference to needing to be right, of course, in reference to WMD and Iraq and what went on in 2003. Because of the uh, Iraq fiasco, I think Israel and the United States both have to be very clear about what we know and what we don't know, even if it means compromising some sources. We cannot go to war with Iran if it comes to that. Uh, and Israel cannot go to a war with Iran if it comes to that uh, without showing the reasons why to the public and having some public debate. We don't want a situation where there's another war in the Middle East and then we discover, oh, the intelligence on which it was based was a lie. Uh, we can't have that. So if there is intelligence or if it does emerge that Iran was behind this, as I think it was, uh, then that intelligence needs to be declassified and shared. Will you game theory, will you play this out? I'm sure you've thought it through and tell me in what circumstances might Israel ask for direct U.S. military involvement? This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite now through April 15th NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Will you game theory, will you play this out? I'm sure you've thought it through. And tell me, in what circumstances might Israel ask for direct U.S. military involvement? Yeah, we've never fought in a, uh, the United States has never fought in a uh, Israeli war on the uh, Never, Israel's never needed us on their side. We've always just supplied the arms. However, comma, uh, if they're tied down in Gaza and then Hezbollah starts lobbing thousands of rockets from Lebanon, I can see a scenario where the United States decides to move uh, anti-missile destroyers up to the coast uh, to try to intercept some of those missiles. I can see a scenario where the United States is asked and agrees to launch um, from the fighter, uh, fighter jets from the carrier to take out some of the Hezbollah launch sites in Lebanon. I think that's what the president, President Biden, in his very strong statement yesterday was saying uh, when, when he said, if any nation is thinking about getting involved in this or any group is thinking about getting involved in this, my message is don't. Well, I, I think our message in private uh, to a lot of people in the Middle East right now, uh, is if Hezbollah comes in, we might too. The Saudis 
had stood prepared to normalize relations with the Israelis. Now, all of a sudden, you've you've got uh, fellow Sunni Hamas taking this action against Israel from Gaza. Explain to me how you see those dynamics now being cast a pall over. Well, I think the, the leadership in Saudi Arabia was thinking about doing a deal. Uh, it had not come together yet, in part because of uh, the lack of unity about what they would say in the deal about Palestine um, and who would who would give money to Palestine and, and how and for what. So even though the leadership was thinking about that, I think a lot of people, uh, the sentiment in the streets, in, in the in the in the mosques, in the in the um, in the markets in Saudi Arabia, uh, it was against that deal, and so I think the king uh, and the crown prince now will back off uh, and wait to see how this all settles out. You also point out in the essay. By the way, this is Richard Clark. He served three American presidents as a member of the White House National Security Council. He's had a very long and distinguished career. With regard to what the Israelis do with Gaza, you invoke Colin Powell and the Pottery Barn Rule. Explain. When uh, the United States was thinking about going into Iraq in 2003, uh, in 2002, Colin Powell uh, famously said to to Bush, "If you go into Iraq," you own it. And you know the the Pottery Barn rule, he said, if you break it, you own it. Uh, and you'll be responsible for feeding all of those people, for, for stopping them from fighting each other, uh, which is, of course, exactly what happened. If Israel goes in and removes the government, because Hamas is the government, uh, such as it is, removes the government of Gaza, uh, then Israel is going to be the government of Gaza uh, or have to organize one. And that's a big order. That's a tall order. I think they need to start thinking seriously about getting some sort of international uh, role involved in the uh, occupation of Gaza after the combat. Something has changed since I've been on radio. I'm I'm in my third decade of, of entertaining telephone calls from listeners. And what I'm about to tell you is based both on anecdotal information, just listening to what people tell me, but also on polling data that I've seen as well. There's been a shift from from my vantage point where what had been heretofore lockstep support for, for Israel, and I'm, I mean only up until the time of the attack, uh, has become less so, has become less so. If, if I were talking about some situation in the Middle East 10 or 15 years ago, I would have had to work for calls that would have been critical of whatever the Israeli position might have been. But there's been a change and there's a generational shift, I sense as well. I bring this up to Richard Clark because in your essay, you talk about the need to address the root causes. Will you speak to that before you leave us? Michael, I think the reason you've noticed this change uh, is because of the long rule of Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, and under Bibi Netanyahu, the real attempt that had gone on for decades to have an Israeli-Palestinian peace stopped. Netanyahu doesn't want a peace, doesn't want a two-state solution. Uh, a two-state solution was the, right idea, <coughs> was the right idea. It remains the right idea now, even though it's almost impossible to imagine how we get there. Uh, a generation of Americans has grown up looking at Israel through the filter of Bibi Netanyahu and seen what they claim are apartheid-like conditions. 
what one British prime minister called an open-air prison uh, in the occupied territories. There's a lot of truth to that, uh, and Israel is not blameless. Uh, and many Israelis would like to change it. Many uh, Americans of all persuasions would like to change that. But that's for tomorrow. For today, we stand behind Israel and uh, defeat this terrorist organization uh, that Joe Biden correctly called pure evil. And your vote is a no vote, either publicly or privately. Should President Biden encourage Prime Minister Netanyahu to exercise restraint? Richard Clark, who's been in that room for these kind of conversations, says no. I say no. I've already voted no, uh, not restraint. That word is not going to go down well in Jerusalem. I think the word that we want to say is analysis, uh, scenario analysis, options, not falling into any traps. Richard Clark, thank you so, so much. I'm really appreciative. Thank you, Michael. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Make sure you're voting at Smirconish.com, and thank you so much. George, Detroit, start us off. 
Hey, how you doing, Michael? I just wanted okay. to say, um, as someone who appreciated like why the Palestinians have been mad and, and supporting both Israel and Palestine and, and being judgmental of Netanyahu, is there anything that the Israelis could have done that could have justified such a horrible, almost like horror no. movie kind of scenario? No. Like, like it's, it's one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the humankind. Mine I mean, is, really, mine is a no vote. Mine, I mean, mine, when you might vote to you when you say, could they have done anything that would have justified this? Very simply, no. I like the way Richard Clark just said it, which is tomorrow we need to have a conversation. Tomorrow there need to be solutions. I appreciated what he said about Netanyahu. It totally is in sync with my thinking, which is that he, he never wanted a two-state solution. Everything was just lip service from him. But today... Today, there's got to be an objective, and I'll use Admiral Stavridis's word from yesterday, and that's the dismantling of Hamas. I'm really worried, though, about can what's... Israel, can Israel take over, take over the entire West Bank and just say, we own this? Like, sorry, well, okay, we're just, just so we're clear, because you know, hopefully it yeah. doesn't come to the West Bank. We're talking about Gaza now, which is on the other side of the country. Um, you know, I'm worried about... The framing of that Associated Press story is really problematic because you've got a lot of folks in a very tight area now having had food and water and power cut off. It just seems like a humanitarian crisis uh, that's destined to happen. And and determining, I, I asked this of Admiral Stavridis yesterday. It's nice to have these great guests who are so much more knowledgeable than than the host of this program. But I said, like, how in the world do they go in? Nobody's wearing a uniform. How do you know who you're looking for? And Admiral Stavridis's answer yesterday was to say that the, the intel is good as to who the players are, and they often don't hide because of their social media posting. And then I come back and I say, well, the Israeli intelligence was terrible because it didn't see this coming. How suddenly is it so good that you know where where the bad guys are? Uh... This is Joe. He's in Miami. Hi, Joe. Greetings. What did you most want to say? Hi. Yesterday you had a caller liken this to um, America taking the land from the Indians. And my question is, is this that war? There was a war after that. I'm not sure when, but there was a war. And is this that war? I'm, I'm scratching my noggin trying to remember. I remember the call. I think it was a caller who, who said... I think the mindset was one of that over time things change and you can't always look to who was here first. By the way, if you're talking about that in Israel, you won't even you won't get a definitive answer because each side thinks they were first. Tell me no, your conclusion. I totally agree. What I'm saying is yeah, we're not giving the land back to the Indians and Israel's not giving the land back to Palestine. Is this that war? Is this the war that the Indians that try to finally fight us? And we kill them all. Is this the war? Yeah, I don't think so, because I, I think you've got nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters and, and just too many who you could you could go destroy every member of Hamas today. And I don't think that the problem goes away. That's how I think I would say it. Steve, you're in Columbus, Ohio. Greetings. What are you thinking today? Uh, I'm thinking that uh, listening to Richard Clark, I haven't listened to your program this week is you need to talk to Tom Friedman and his opinion article in the New York Times today 
he was on Morning Joe that you and uh, TC Auto listen to off when you're off uh, golfing uh, this morning. He is very much echoing Richard Clark and talking about the poison of Netanyahu and what he has done to the culture and the opportunities and taking them all away uh, since being in office and kind of dealing with the judicial system, et cetera. So here's my response. A, I wish that I could go golfing. Uh, these, these times are just too busy and don't allow it. B, I have great respect for Friedman. When this, when this happened on Saturday and when I didn't know that I'd get preempted on CNN, the first request that I made was for, for Tom Friedman. I've read all of his uh, reflections on the situation in Israel, including today, and I share his view of Netanyahu. I think that Netanyahu made made, you know, like a, a deal with I'm saying this now in a in a figurative sense, a deal with the devil politically just to keep himself in power because he was facing indictment and so desperately wanted the reins of being prime minister uh, and and allowed in return some of the ultra ultra orthodox with whom he partnered to do whatever they wanted to do in the West Bank without any eye toward being conciliatory toward the Palestinians. There was, even if this had not happened, that wasn't going to ever change. Um, now, again, to, to go back to Richard Clark, it's got to be dealt with, but not today. That's how I would say it. Steve, thank you. Appreciate it very much. Barbara, you're in Bonita Springs, Florida. Greetings. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, first of all, I want to tell you, I, I think your show literally should be required listening for everybody on this because your guests have been amazing. So what I wanted to say was the last thing that you asked Richard Clark was why he thinks the shift in kind of how your callers are, are less pro-Israel than they ever would have been 15 years ago. And he talked about the Bibi Netanyahu thing and how he never wanted a two-state solution, which I agree with. I agree that Bibi never wanted the two-state solution. I do think, however, I disagree that that's why the shift has occurred. I think that gives sort of this younger generation too much credit for paying attention. Close attention. I just don't Mm -hmm. think that they I don't think they've paid much attention to it. I don't think they really understand it. And I think that they it's, it's social media. They just they're listening to what they hear and see on social media just since last Saturday. And. They, uh, my son called me, who's pretty much the age of your kids, and I was so proud of him for being so upset with his generation for not being as outraged as he is about all of this. So I think that that generation is just sort of latching on to things that they read and see on social media, and they're just not paying close enough attention and not understanding that this is Israel's 9-11 and that this is an, a, a completely outrageous thing that any one of these young 30-somethings could have been at a music festival here. And if my kid was in Israel, probably would have been at that music festival and just gotten obliterated just because a terrorist organization came in and wanted to kill them because they were there and because they were Jewish. Okay, there's a lot there that I want to deal with. First of all, thank you for the compliment and and sit back and and listen to this because I do want to speak to it. There is a story posted with great deliberation. I identified the 20 links that would go into the Smirconish.com newsletter today. That's always the case, but especially now. I think 
for the third day running, 10 of the links or thereabouts, 10 of the 20, are all about Israel. And I'm trying to give you a variety of perspectives, different angles and insights. So here's one of the things that I put in the newsletter today. It's a Gallup survey on attitudes pertaining to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and how they break along uh, political lines. It's from March. I need to underscore that. It's from March of 2023. So it's it's not only before the events of 10-7. Is that how we're going to refer to this now? The events of 10-7? I'm okay with it. Uh, if that's what people choose to do. But it was it was significantly before the events of, of 10-7. And what it showed was that after a decade in which Democrats had shown increasing affinity toward the Palestinians, their sympathies in the Middle East now lie more with the Palestinians than with the Israelis. 49% to 38%, which reflected an 11 percentage point increase over the past year in Democrats' sympathy with the Palestinians. In the same time period, there'd been a, a slight shift among independents and no shift among Republicans. This is this reminds me of what I said yesterday about RFK Jr., who in his speech in Philadelphia that I watched on Monday said, you, you know, the old labels don't apply. What what it used to mean to be a liberal or progressive versus a conservative or Republican or a Democrat, there's been like a significant change. And this is one of those issues. But to my caller's point about generational differences, there's this again from March before the attack. Aside from partisan differences, Gallup continues to see generational distinctions in how U.S. adults view the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Net sympathy toward Israel, the percentage sympathizing more with the Israelis than the Palestinians, is solidly positive among older generations. Like boomers, it's plus 46%. Gen X, plus 32%. Silent generation, plus 31%. But by contrast, millennials are now evenly divided. 42% sympathizing more with the Palestinians, 40% with the Israelis, yielding a minus 2% net Israel sympathy score. So, yeah, there's been a change in attitudes. It's it's too soon to know, and too many events are still in play, uh, how this all impacts thinking in the long run. But I'm dialed into it, and I'm interested. Rodney, you're in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm told by my producer that you are an Oklahoma City bombing survivor. Explain that to me so that I can uh, contextualize your remarks. Um, Well, I was in a catering truck, um, a food truck, people would call it these days, serving lunch and breakfast. I was traveling uh, in front of the Murrow building, uh, and I was at the corner of the building um, just past um, Fifth Street, just past the building when the bomb went off. I was one of the first. It picked up my truck and threw it over a little hill, um, and that's how I survived. Um, I'll never forget the um, pieces of the building. Everything was in slow motion, and pieces of the building and everything flying by me, watching my windows crack like a, a spider web. I mean, it's something I was one of the first ones in the back in the building pulling people out what what survivors were at the very beginning. Um, um, it was a day that changed my life for sure. And And what I can tell you is before the bombing happened, 
Um, I um, I was the most happy-go-lucky guy that you would ever meet. I won an award in high school playing football for being able to play football and hit somebody with a smile on my face. <laughs> um, and um, I don't think people are going to understand the rage and the anger. After that, I had so much rage. I knew I could kill. I wanted to kill Timothy McVeigh, physically kill him. Um, it, it, it was just, I couldn't believe that somebody like me at the time could have that much anger. I know I can commit murder. I know I can do it. I felt it. I wanted to do it. So anybody that thinks this isn't, we're past. Any and, and just one thing too. Before I didn't start to heal that anger till Timothy McVeigh was executed, and I went to the FAA and watched the execution. Wow. Now I don't know if all this is right or wrong, but it's just how it is. And if anyone uh, and one and the American people, even those that were against the death penalty at the time when Timothy McVeigh was executed, wanted him executed. This is going to be bloody, and this is going to be vicious. And uh, what I want to say to the politicians here in America, you better get ready for it. And if you keep this division and the Republicans blaming the Democrats and the, the Democrats are on uh, the, the defensive and, and the news media focusing on 31 student groups and yell, this is going to be bad for us. Is the rage and the anger here is not is I mean I just I don't know what else to say, Michael. You've said I mean, it well. Listen, I you speak for post September 11. If you'd given me the opportunity to kill Bin Laden and put a gun in my hand, I I would have done it. I think a suburban soccer mom would have strangled Bin Laden and I'm on Al Zawahiri afterward. I totally get it. And I'm so appreciative. I wanted to give you plenty of time, even though I called lightning round. There's no way I was going to interrupt you um, because I, I understand your sentiments. And I'm, I'm taken with the fact that you went to see Timothy McVeigh actually die. By the way, what was that like? Um, well, he, he um, we went into a big room. It was closed circuit because obviously not all the victims or their family members could that qualified to watch the execution um, could do it. So, um, you know, they, they had to have it as closed circuit and he came up on the screen. It was very clinical. He didn't say anything. And, uh, you know, the sentence was carried out and, and we just stood there on big screen TVs watching as his the life went out of his body. And, and when I you walked Right. When you walked out, how did you feel in comparison to when you walked in? Well, just put it this way. I felt immediately you feel a little bit of relief because it's it's finally over. Right. Um, but 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 it takes a lot of time. Uh, I mean, I for 20 years, I mean, for a long time, I mentally i was at a slow boil and i mentally had to control that every day and i had to tell myself every day i'm going to be nice to people i'm going to 
try to move on, which is very hard. Um, but at, I mean, I don't know. I know that the death penalty um, is not right in a lot because it's not fair. But at times like this, in times like the Oklahoma City bombing, none of that matters. Right. We're animals, and this is the basic human survival. And and Israel's going to go in, and they are going to wipe them out. And 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 I just. I don't know. I just Rodney, think that our poli- our political system is not able to handle the blowback because we have a lot of. I think you're prescient. Idiots. I think you're. I think you're forward looking, and you see what we're days away from. And that Associated Press story that I began the hour by reading, which talks about this, the suffering of the Palestinians. And by the way, I'm. I'm I'm upset for an innocent Palestinian living in those conditions who is about to have is already having their world rocked. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know quite how to parse the two because the perpetrators of an attack as bad as September 11 need to pay, need to suffer. I have a final thought for you, and it's more right. pleasant than it's more pleasant than what we've discussed. Do you know my friend Sarah Sweet, who lost her father W. Stephen Williams in the Oklahoma City bombing? Yes. She's been okay. I mean, really a wonderful person yes. from my vantage point and in, heavily invested and involved in the museum and and that whole cause. Um, I'm glad the two of you uh, know each other. That's that's great. She's probably listening. Rodney, thank you for that. world here in Oklahoma, so. Yeah. Well, I, I, I credit her for bringing me there. I've been. Thank you, Rodney. I'm really appreciative of your call. And she brought me, made, made it possible for me to come to Norman. You know, the, the theater sitting here thinking the, about her the, the whole call. The theater in Norman, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and TC was there with me. Yep. The theater in that town I've spoken at and met wonderful people. And then when we walked out of the theater after the speech, the last one's out, like the streetlights went out. Yep, that was it. Norman, <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> that was Norman. Yeah. Um Wow, I gotta digest that call. That was really a lot. That was a lot for me. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.